0: All right, welcome to the 1-2 Kentucky Blue podcast. I'm your host, Coach John Spurlock. Today, my guest is a senior athletic trainer at the University of Kentucky, Katie Poole. Katie, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. Spurlock, how are you?
0: I'm doing very well. I just called you Katie, and I was thinking earlier this morning that you are one of the handful of people in my life that I never just really call Katie, and I don't refer to you by just your last name. It's always Katie Poole.
1: As if Katie it's Poole. just one word. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it's been my whole life.
0: <laughs> Has it really?
1: Yeah. ever Ever since I was little, it's just First and last name altogether.
0: Yeah. I do that a lot with athletic trainers. So it's, I never call Courtney just Courtney. It's always Courtney Jones. It's always Bree Papato. But first and last names, that's what I do. That's, yeah, how, Katie I, Poole. I, Katie Poole, that's how I communicate with our athletic trainers here. Yeah. But thank you so much for being on the podcast. You, Thanks for like, having me. Yeah, no problem. You, just like a lot of the strength coaches on my staff, have been at Kentucky for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, so you went to grad school here, but even before that, just kind of walk through your, your education and your path into your current position.
1: Sure. So I grew up in state college, Pennsylvania, um, which is pretty much right in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, but is sort of famous for being the town where Penn state is. Um, so I was born and raised there and then I went to Penn state for undergrad. So I didn't live at home, but sort of stayed at home for undergrad. Um, And I knew pretty early on that I wanted to do athletic training and that I was interested in sports medicine. Um, I volunteered some in the athletic training room in my high school. Um, And so that was sort of a really natural path for me once I got to Penn State. Um, So I majored in kinesiology, athletic training option at Penn State. did really as much as I could in terms of getting experience with a bunch of different teams and levels, um, you know, professional down through high school sports, um, volunteering, whatever I could sort of get my hands on in terms of getting some more athletic training experience. And then when it came time to apply to grad schools, I actually thought for sure that I was going to go to, uh, UVA. They, their athletic training master's program was a one-year program um, it was only like four hours from home both of those things really appealed to me and before I had sort of committed so to speak to UVA I got a call from Kentucky and they were like why don't you just come interview so I came down and I interviewed and I thought well I kind of like this and sort of made the decision a lot harder than I thought it was was going to be because in the back of my mind I was like well I'll, I'll visit but I'm still pretty set on going to UVA. Um, And so, yeah, it it made the decision really hard. And I basically had called UVA and was like, hey, I changed my mind. I don't think I'm going to come. I liked what Kentucky had to offer and the family atmosphere of the program um, and the idea of working for Jim Maddaleno was really, really appealing to me um, and just sort of the program that he had built um so yeah i totally like pulled a 180 surprised everybody i mean my family was like did you call uva and tell them you're coming and i was like well not not exactly not exactly <laughs> so yeah i, I pulled a kind of complete 180 and ended up being one of the best decisions i've ever made because i came to lexington thought i would be here for 2 years for grad school and then leave and go get a job somewhere else and the time that I graduated grad school, so which would have been in spring of 2013, um, was sort of right in the beginning slash middle of this push that I think a lot of Olympic sport coaches were starting to make in terms of having their own primary athletic trainer as opposed to a graduate assistant. Um I think that's grown tremendously, not just at Kentucky, but across the country, especially at Power Five schools. Um,
0: so, what sports did you have when you were a grad student here?
1: When I was a grad student here, I worked um, volleyball and women's golf, um, which are the sports that I actually still work now. Um, and so,
0: it, did I, you I, have gymnastics so, at one point?
1: I did. Yeah, I got I got fortunate with the timing in terms of as I graduated grad school, um, Craig Skinner, the head coach here for volleyball at Kentucky had sort of um, fought his way to being a one of those teams that was going to transition from a graduate athletic trainer uh, to a full-time position. So I got really fortunate with timing. Um, you know, Jim always told us that in grad school, we were sort of on a two year, um, it's like a two-year job interview. So I sort of treated it as that and it worked out in my favor and uh, I got hired on immediately after. And then when I got hired on, um, in order to sort of distinguish the position a little bit from just my graduate position, that's when I took over supervising the graduate athletic trainer that worked with gymnastics. Um, so that was how I ended up sort of with gymnastics in the fold. So when I first got hired on and transitioned to full-time I was the primary athletic trainer for volleyball and women's golf and then I was also the staff athletic
0: trainer that oversaw gymnastics gotcha Um, if you can and I know this is somewhat evolving but graduate uh, students that are going to be athletic trainers that's kind of a thing that's going away correct Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah so they um, it's sort of has to do with. The NATA, the the national sort of governing board of athletic training, um, has just recently transitioned. Athletic training used to be, um, is entering into, um, you have to have your master's to be able to sit for the certification exam. And when I was coming through undergrad, all you had to do was, you know, there was a checklist of things you had to fulfill, but the degree requirement was just an undergraduate degree. Gotcha. And um now it's transitioning into what's called the entry level master's degree, which is you can't sit for your, the certification exam unless you have your masters. So the way that that's affected collegiate athletics is that a lot of programs had been relying on these graduate assistant athletic trainers who were certified. We met all of our requirements, we sat for the certification exam, passed it. Um, we were in graduate school working towards our masters um you know as sort of a way to provide medical services to their teams without having to hire a full-time position for those teams and now they're having to transition away from that because the people that you have coming in to the graduate program will no longer be certified
0: when does that all go into effect? Is it relatively soon or are we still a few years ago? Yeah,
1: out? so it was an, it had been announced, oh, probably four years ago. So this is actually the, this coming, this 2020, 2021, you should see all of the schools around the country finally transitioned into um, what that looks like because it, it changed a lot of the structural component and the athletic training coverage component within athletic departments but it also changed a lot of the academic structure for athletic training education across the country because programs now instead of offering you know a four-year kinesiology degree and then just going to get your two-year master's degree they're doing a lot more um joint programs if that makes sense
0: yeah uh, kind of changing subjects. But the last person we had on the podcast was Monica, and she spoke a lot about how strong we are as a performance group. So strength and conditioning, the nutrition department, and athletic training. And as I think about your yours and I relationship and how well we work together, and that not just you and I, but you know my entire staff and uh, the entire athletic training group, I think a big reason specifically for you, is you used to train with Coach DeVren and I. So we used to have a workout group. Um, You used to come to the 11 o'clock group, correct? Yep. 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 Uh, I think I
1: started in grad school, my like yeah. second year of grad school, and I had to come to the 6 a.m. Then because it was the only or like the 5 a.m. Oh, class. it
0: was 5 a.m. It was the 5 only one I could
1: come to. It was 5 a.m. I remember doing my orientation at 5 a.m. Being like, what am I doing?
0: So you went through an orientation just like our incoming student athletes do. So you learned the Olympic lifts. You learned how to load the bar correctly. You went through some really hard workouts with us. And not, it wasn't just you. Brie Papato did it as well. Yep. Um, um, who else? Mandy, who was the DOPs at the time for the volleyball team. Yep. Anders Anders. yep Anders. Uh, So it was an awesome group to have training with us, but you have gone through workouts that we ask our student athletes to do. And I think you understanding how to do a power clean and what it feels like after you run repeat four hundreds is a huge advantage for our relationship. So when I'm programming those workouts and those movements, for our volleyball team and they come to you and they say oh this isn't feeling right or this is sore you know exactly uh how they're feeling because you've done those sort of things before yeah Uh, that's you know what came to my mind when I think about why we are such a strong unit but what do you think about when you think about our performance group
1: um I think I mean I think you're right I think that experience was huge on a couple different levels one like you said it it gave me, me experience with just the movements and understanding what's happening when, you know, you do Olympic lifting and what the demands of the body are, especially in terms of individual mobility. You know, it, it helped a lot in terms of programming for that. I think one of the biggest advantages to it was just it really, really introduced and expanded my knowledge and comfort with the weight room. Um, from a terminology standpoint to a functional standpoint in terms of how you guys prefer to operate Um, even just going through the similar warm-up that our athletes do so I sort of I I feel much more comfortable even if I'm gonna stop in and watch a lift where do I stand in the weight room even like down to that most basic level Um, so I do think that experience was huge both for you and I, but just for me as a sort of young professional trying to get acquainted with something that I didn't have a ton of familiarity with to begin with. Yeah. And Uh, I
0: would, and I would send you my template or my master program for, you know, four weeks or eight weeks and you became familiar with that. So even if you did have to miss a workout or if you had a question about what the team was doing next week, you could just look on that and say, Hey, you know, so and so shoulders bothering them. we we have hang snatch on Tuesday. Do you think we could do X, Y, and Z in, instead? So, yeah, it, it just helped with our communication.
1: Yeah, it really it's it's opened the door. I think um, for sure with with all of that. When I think about our performance staff as a whole, um, and I, I know you and Monica talked about just what that looks like in terms of the two of us, and then working with the nutrition department and um, also, occasionally meeting with the um, sports psychology and Dr. Cormier, but I think the the reason that we're so successful as a unit is that one, we all trust each other. Two, I think we you know we are fortunate in this sort of weird, always evolving world of college athletics it's really common for people to leave every couple of years. So I think we're sort of in a unique situation, especially in terms of um, you and me and Monica, the fact that we all have worked together for so
0: long is probably rare at this point. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, that we um, haven't had a change in our performance staff.
1: Yeah. And I think, so that's been really beneficial um, because it has given the three of us, we could be like, Oh yeah, I remember a few years ago when we tried that and it, it didn't go very well or, you know, you and I can be like, Oh, well, let's ask Monica. Cause I know we tried that with an athlete a few years ago and it worked really well. So maybe this, you know, so-and-so would, would benefit from that. Um, I think it's, we, we just have a baseline respect for each other and a respect for, um, the work that everybody does. And it's that sort of foundation has allowed us to, be successful.
0: Yeah. Even Monica mentioned it in the last episode where she feels like she learns so much from uh, the strength staff when we do have our meetings. And I feel the same way. And I told her this about when her and I are talking or when you, you and I are talking and I can think through several occasions where there has, have been a common injury or issue with our volleyball team. And you've come to me with some solutions on what we could do in the weight room and I'm specifically thinking, and this was maybe four four or five years ago, maybe, when we had a handful of lower ab strains. Oh, yeah. So after the season, you came to me, you shot me some ideas, and I was like, I like that. This is how I think we're going to implement it. And mm-hmm. it's been a staple in our program since then.
1: Yeah, so, and I think circling back to what you said about how you and I sort of started off our relationship from me training with you guys is – it was it made me a so much more comfortable to approach you from that standpoint just because I knew you well but B it my familiarity then with the weight room it it made that conversation a lot easier because I it's hard sometimes I think in athletics especially as the more uh pigeonhole as you get to you're speaking in your own specific language you know like I'll have dinner with a couple friends who are athletic trainers and if somebody at the table is not an athletic trainer they're like I have no idea what you guys are talking about (laughs) um so I think it just it opened my door to the language of strength and conditioning you know um absolutely yeah so
0: Next thing I I want to trade you guys. Oh, absolutely not. I wouldn't train our athletic trainers, our our performance team as a whole for anybody. And I've said it once and I'll say it again and I'll keep on saying it. I do think what we have going on at Kentucky is one of the best in the country. Uh, One thing I want to talk with you about is obviously we're in a situation now with COVID-19, the coronavirus, where it's making us, uh, it's hard for us to do our job. Like we usually do it, yeah. putting all that aside, so let's take that out of the picture, but what's okay. the biggest struggle for you when it comes to being a Division one SEC athletic trainer?
1: The biggest struggle um, if you work at this level, chances are at some point you're a competitive person and you want to win. Um, I think one of the difficulties in general of athletic training is you have to be able to Remove yourself and your the athletes that you work with from that situation, and focus on the overall health of a person, um, and not think about it in terms of winning and losing, and thinking about it in terms of what is you know the best for this person, and how can I help them with that, and what do they need now? Um, and that's hard. I mean, it's hard at any level that you do it. It's it's certainly hard. Cause there's, when you get in season, there's pressure, um, you know, and I think that's part of what I really value about where I work is I, and the teams that I work with is I don't feel a ton of that pressure from the coaches. So I think I'm fortunate in that way, but that doesn't mean there's not just a, a general sort of pressure that goes along with it. Um, I think specific to athletic training, probably most recently, one of the biggest struggles, that a lot of people are seeing is just how we now talk about and tackle um, mental health. Um, I think that's just an area where there's a ton of room to grow, and schools are growing in that area in terms of resources available to not just even student-athletes, but students in general. Um, But it can, student-athletes especially, are under a really, really unique set of circumstances and stress and helping athletes figure out the best way to handle that um, and still keep them I guess accountable for the commitments that they've made to their teams and their teammates Um, that's that's a struggle that I think is is definitely Prominent probably in every athletic
0: training room across the country right now. Oh, absolutely. And that's a really good point to bring up. So let's throw in the COVID 19 situation. I know my struggle as a strength coach is I'm trying to program for our student athletes when they have little to no equipment. Right. Everything's at home. I'm not seeing them. I'm trying to do the best that I can by putting out videos on Instagram and being as detailed as I can with the workouts that I'm prescribing. Um, but from an athletic training standpoint thus far and we're however many weeks into this um, what has been the biggest struggle dealing with the coronavirus not seeing your student athletes and so forth
1: I think it's hard because you have to we're in a state now where you have to really rely on your communication with other people and for me I um, really sort of pride myself in the interpersonal relationship piece of what I do. I think it's one of my biggest strengths. Um, And so for me, it's really hard to get a true sense of how people are doing, how they're feeling, what they need when I can't a look them in the eye and ask them how they are. I can with FaceTime and zoom and all that sort of stuff, obviously. Um, But be trying to figure out, okay, what are you doing at home? What is your level of activity? same thing with you. What do you have access to? And how can I make a home program that's gonna help you? Um I think yeah it's just it's a strange sort of time. And a lot of you know you have more questions than answers and it's different for different athletes living in different states who may be under different rules about if they're allowed to leave the house or not. And so it's just you have to sort of ramp up your communication.
0: Absolutely. On the flip side of that, just being an athletic trainer, what keeps you going into work every day? What's the best part of your job?
1: Um, the best part of my job is definitely the people, but that will be my answer for probably everything that you asked me on this podcast. So I will pretend that that's not my answer for this segment. My, the best part of my job is probably seeing somebody who has had the misfortune of being injured, work their tail off in rehab, um, do everything we've asked them to do. And then they're like first big play, whether it's in practice or in a match where they're, you just get this sense of like, Oh, they're back. And you can see that they have that sense of like, let's freaking go. Like I'm back. Um, that moment is pretty cool to be able to be a small part of that um, and have sort of walked through that journey of uh, hard work with them and seeing everything that they put into it. That's probably the coolest part of my job.
0: As you even talk about that, I'm thinking in my head, a handful of our players in the past that have gotten injured, busted their tail with you, worked hard with me to get back on the court. And I know exactly what you're talking about. And You know, just a few come to mind, but like Ashley Dushek. Yeah, and she it was it was her meniscus, I think, yeah. uh, in a weird, really weird situation during a spring game. Um,
1: yeah, she, she came- she's the first person that comes to mind for me. That's probably one of the coolest moments of my career. And, you know, Ashley was she was two time SEC libero of the year, getting ready to go into her senior year. She had had invitations to train in the USA volleyball gym um, and just an awesome kid in general loved the loved the game was a total gym rat like you said fluke fluke uh accident sort of in a spring match and now we're four months before fall season starts and she's going into knee surgery um and she worked her tail off that summer and did everything we asked her to do and a lot of sweat and a little bit of tears and then when she got named SEC Libero for the third time, what was the third time in her career to sort of cap off her senior year? We were sitting in the lobby of a hotel in Arkansas. We were at Arkansas that night um, when all of those sort of awards got released. And she and I happened to be sitting next to each other eating breakfast. And we both kind of got at the same time and looked at each other and both just started crying.
0: No that's awesome yeah
1: that's the coolest part
0: yeah I mean I could name a ton of our players that have battled through adversity when it comes to injury and come back uh, to do something remarkable like Ashley did Uh, but even and one thing I don't think I've ever told you this but it must have been I think it was Brooke Morgan's senior year so Brooke graduated two years ago that's not about right so I remember she had a really bad ankle injury and it was in the middle of the season I'm working with other teams, so I'm in and out of the weight room late at night, early in the morning, and I just remember coming into the, leaving the weight room one evening, and let's say it was seven o'clock at night, I just popped my head in there, be like, hey, hey, who's in there, and it was you with Brooke, and you were having her do game ready, or whatever she needed to do to just get her swelling down in her ankle, and then I went home, woke up the next morning, got to work around whatever 5 five thirty in the morning I was like the athletic training lights are still on and it was you and Brooke back in there doing the same thing or like I said doing whatever she needed to do to to get her ankle ready for that game and it's not and you mentioned like the pressure that you might put on yourself and it you know it wasn't coming from Craig or anybody else that was saying that Brooke has to play but you were doing everything in your power You were you were working your tail off to make sure you could reduce that time that Brooke might be out with a uh, with a sprained ankle down as far as you can so you can get her back on the court so she can continue to do what she loves, but that was one thing that that always stays in my head when I think about how how hard we work in athletics and not just strength and conditioning, but you know i I feed off other people when I see them doing what they love to do as hard as they can and doing what's necessary so that we uh, can win SEC championships and things like that. So, yep. Um, let's move on to you mentioned when we were talking about your path. You you're from um, State College, Pennsylvania. Yep. Your 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 dad worked at Penn State. You went to Penn State, and you but you've been at Kentucky for a long time, mm-hmm. and you've had you've I know you've had other job offers, and kind of mm-hmm. to tell another story, is you were up for a position. I was one of your references and I was talking with the people on the hiring committee on how great you were. So I was very involved with that, that process. Uh, I knew you were offered the job and I do remember the day you turned it down, you sent me a text and said, Hey, I'm not taking the job. Let's go win. And I'm not, I I told myself, I'm not going to cuss on this podcast, but you said, let's go win an effing championship. And that next, year, <laughs> that next year, that's what we did. That's what we did. We won an SEC championship with our volleyball team. That's so, awesome. So just I talk totally, about... I totally w- forgot about that. Why? Well, then
1: it's thanks to you that I've been offered other jobs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> World's uh, best reference right here, folks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Talk about why Kentucky is special to you. Why you haven't decided to go back home to Penn State. Why you decided to stay at Kentucky.
1: Um, I think what makes Kentucky so special is the people. I think that's part of what drew me in, you know, from the beginning when I changed my mind and decided not to go to Virginia. Not that there weren't great people associated uh, with UVA, but it was just sort of a feeling that I got um, about the university that honestly reminded me of what my hometown and, and sort of that Penn State pride is about. and. State College is sort of a unique town, um, just, again, because Penn State is there. Not, not everybody in the town is associated with Penn State, but a really large majority of it is. Um, and when you grow up with that in your backyard, and like you said, my dad worked at Penn State, so um, just in general, even before you're a student and sort of just like ingrained in you to be really, really – proud of this place and what it does and um the people that that come out of there um and then that's you know enhanced when you go there in undergrad um and I wouldn't not that people from Pennsylvania aren't proud of the state cuz they are but um I think the pride at Penn State is really really special and I feel that here at Kentucky on a statewide level. Um, Like the pride that the state of Kentucky has for the state of Kentucky is unbelievable. And it's, I mean, it's everywhere. Um, And I just, I think that's so cool. And it has, it drew me here and has kept me here. Um, And I think the athletic department at UK, just from Mr. Barnhart all the way, all the way down, it's filled with a lot of really cool people. It's given me the opportunity to learn a ton um, It's you know high high level people in terms of performance and what they do, but also high level people in terms of character um, and there's people you you want to be around and you want to work hard for um, and I think regarding sort of the the job offer that you're talking about specifically one of the things that really kept me here is that that was an offer that wasn't in collegiate sports anymore. It was a a chance to work with professional athletes. And on the one hand, that was really, really appealing to me. And on the other hand, I just, I felt really passionate about Kentucky and what we were looking to do both as a volleyball program and and helping the golf team, but also just as an athletic department as a whole. And I felt myself getting more excited about those possibilities than I did about the possibilities that would have taken place if I'd taken that other opportunity. Um, and I'm just like a sucker for college athletics. You know, I I grew up in a place where that was really important and a big emphasis was put on it. And so it's just been part of my whole life and not something I'm ready to leave yet.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, we got a lot of great things going on at Kentucky and it starts from our athletic director, Mitch Barnhart. And one person he brought on staff quite a few years ago was Jason Cummins and Mm -hmm. Jason's position at the time was our director of impact leadership, not only leadership for our student athletes, but also for the staff. And you were, so one thing that Jason and Steph Simmons and Sean Umbral have have continued on is, uh, leadership class that is for full-time employees within the athletic department. It's a group of, you know, 12 to 15 people where they meet up once a month. There's readings you have to do, assignments you have to do, but the overall goal is to grow you as a leader. You were a part of that first class, correct? Yeah. I think, were you in my class? No, I was in the class after it. So I think you took it the the first time it was ever offered. And for some reason, it just didn't work from a timing standpoint for me, but then I apply. You actually have to send in an application and a pretty, pretty extensive application, but I was part of the second group that went through it. Yeah. Uh, But just talk through, you know, one thing that that class did for me is it opened my eyes up to, uh, you know, different topics that I need to get better in besides things that relate directly to strength conditioning or health and performance. But what are you, What are you reading now, listening to now to help you grow as a professional?
1: Yeah, I think um, kind of circling back to one of your earlier questions about the hardest part about athletic training, I think one of the hardest parts about working in high level collegiate athletics is the ability to slow down and take time for yourself. And that was one of the things, the biggest things that the UK AD leadership class taught me was... Some of those questions on the application to get into the class weren't even things that I had thought of. You know, my own leadership style, things I do to better myself, that may not even be a direct correlation with athletic training, but still make me a better athletic trainer. Um, and that that was one of the biggest things there was. Then benefits of that class for me was it, it forced me to sort of take another look at what I do for me because if i am not at my best then i can't expect other people to be at their best you know um so i think one that class sort of reignited like you said all, all the readings that we that we did it opened my eyes to a genre of book that i had not i didn't even realize there was like all these self leadership books and um i right now now that we're sort of in the middle of this stay at home period there's been a lot of time to read and listen and watch things um i'll be honest i haven't read a ton in the last couple of weeks one of the things that i've watched that i've really liked is netflix did a documentary series i know you think i'm gonna say tiger king but it's yeah not. i was
0: just gonna say katie you can't say tiger king <laughs> not what this podcast is about i
1: did watch tiger king and we could do a whole separate podcast on it but that is not what i watched to better myself. Um, I actually have a, and it comes from my dad because he taught the subject for a long period of time, but I have a pretty big interest, non-athletic training related, obviously, in African-American history and culture. And Netflix did a recent documentary series on Malcolm X and his assassination um, that I've been watching. That's really, really interesting.
0: That is interesting. Do you listen to podcasts? I do listen to podcasts. I what's listen your, to what's your favorite podcast or group of podcasts? You don't have to pick. I
1: it's probably not my favorite podcast, but the one I listen to the most frequently is Up First by NPR. Just yeah. it's quick; it's fifteen minutes. I feel like it does a pretty good job in terms of summing up the day's news for me. Um, so I listen to that one probably most frequently. Um, I always tell myself I'm going to listen to podcasts on the plane when we travel and I make it about three minutes and I'm asleep. So <laughs> I think the one, two Kentucky blue podcast is probably my
0: favorite. Oh, it's a great podcast. We have dozens of listeners. Service yes. and I looked it up uh, before you got on here, but yes, we have dozens of listeners, of listeners. really taking over, taking over the world. Yeah. Um, Katie, that's all I had. I appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate your time. Hopefully you had fun. Yeah, it was a blast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. Now, one thing I do think you need to get with Jim Maddalino about. So we have our we have our social media pages for our staff. So UK only strength for the yeah. strength staff. Monica has fueling the cats. But athletic training doesn't have social media. We do not
1: have stuff. a social media. I have thought about that. Um we, you know, athletic training, we just upgraded from desktops to laptops <laughs> the did. last calendar year. So the jump to social media is a big one for us. Um, so it's not, it's not out of the question, you know, Jim told us to get creative in this time away. So he might be, he might need to be careful
0: what he wishes for. Usually this is a time in the podcast where I try to plug, you know, uh, the social media page for whoever guests, whoever the guest is in their area. But, uh, if you, if the listeners, if you guys do have any questions for me or Katie, you can email us at, ukstrength at uky.edu if there's anything you want to hear more on or have us dive deeper into a certain topic go ahead and shoot those questions and comments to ukstrength at uky.edu once again katie thank you so much for your time uh okay. hope hope everybody's staying safe and go cats
1: thank you so much see you lot.
0: yeah katie